This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us as always, our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. One of the hardest kinds of homicides to solve start as random robberies. Rarely are fingerprints or DNA left at the crime scene. Killers often evade witness identification by wearing a mask. And the investigation can be hindered by the mere fact that the assailant and the victim don't know each other. These cases also don't linger in the media. Reporters report on activity, and if there's not much activity going on in a case, it disappears from the public eye pretty quickly. That makes it hard for us at Ohio Mysteries to do even a 10-minute mystery for some victims who still very much deserve justice. So today, I've pulled four cases from the Ohio Attorney General's website for unsolved homicides. They are four old robbery homicides that only briefly made the news, but they are still open, and detectives are actively seeking answers. A detective once used three words to explain why it's never too late. Somebody knows something. In other words, criminals often let slip some of the things they've done. That alone makes it worthwhile to revisit the details. Our first case goes all the way back to 1962 in the city of Oberlin, That's in Northeast Ohio's Lorraine County. Despite this case being 60 years old, state and local authorities put out a joint plea for information just last year, saying they still wanted to solve it. These are people who weren't even born when it happened, but it's that important to them. Wyndham Durham was 77 years old, a lifelong resident of Oberlin, and living alone at 249 Lincoln Street in the south end of town. Wyndham was born in 1885. That was just 20 years after the Civil War ended. Being an African American, one can only wonder what changes he'd seen in his lifetime before it came to such a violent end. The afternoon of November the 2nd, 1962, 
Wyndham's neighbor called police and asked that they go check on him. Nobody had seen him since the previous afternoon, and the neighbor found something out of sorts, though it was never reported what caught the neighbor's attention. Police entered the house and found Wyndham inside. He had been severely beaten, bound, and gagged, then left to die on the floor of asphyxiation. The coroner put his time of death at about eight that morning. Investigators determined the motive was robbery. Immediately following the incident, several individuals were interrogated, but nobody was ever arrested. Wyndham was buried in an unmarked grave at Westwood Cemetery in Oberlin. His closest family, a wife and brother, had already preceded him in death. This is one of the cases where detectives hope the killer got talkative. Special Agent Lindsay Mussel of Ohio's Bureau of Criminal Investigation said, Oberlin is a small town. He was well known in the community. We are hoping someone may recall conversations about this case. Anyway, anyone with information on this murder is asked to call Oberlin Police at 440-774-1061. For our second case, we're headed west to Lucas County and the city of Toledo. We're still going back a ways with this one to November 16, 1973, the week before Thanksgiving. It was a Friday, just before midnight, and 43-year-old Donald Grogan was home with his 14-year-old daughter, Sue. They lived at 922 Noble Street in a residential neighborhood just north of downtown Toledo. Donald was already in bed when an intruder walked in through the back door. I'm not sure if the suspect broke in, but this was definitely an era where people often left their doors unlocked. The intruder found Sue Grogan first and confronted her. Where's the man? The suspect said several times. He was wearing a mask. The intruder then continued further inside the home until he found Donald in bed. Where's the brown safe? Sue could hear the man asking her father. It appears he didn't get an answer because he returned to Sue, her father in tow, and forced Donald to bind his daughter's hands and feet. Then they left her seated in the kitchen as the intruder ushered Donald around the house, ransacking the place. When the men reached a front bedroom, Sue heard a scuffle, then two gunshots. The suspect passed her as he fled through the rear door, saying, He tried to jump me. He shouldn't have done it. Donald Grogan died at the scene from the wounds that were caused by the small-caliber handgun. The Attorney General's website only refers to one masked intruder. A news report back when this happened referred to burglars as in plural, so it's unclear to me whether there could have been more than one or whether that was a reporting error. Anyone with information on this case can call Toledo Detectives at 419-245-3142. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, That sun's shining on a beach. 
And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We're staying in the 1970s for our third case, but it's another one that modern day investigators haven't given up on. Just two years ago, state and local authorities were still asking for help on this mystery from Auglaize County in West Central Ohio. Christmas had come, but New Year's was still on the horizon when Roger Parent Jr. went to work on December 29, 1978. The 33-year-old was a military veteran. He'd followed in his father's footsteps. Roger Parent Sr. had served in the Philippines with the U.S. Army. In 1978, Roger was unmarried and living on Magnolia Street on the west side of the city of St. Mary's. He was co-owner of PNS Carryout, which was located at 2111 Celine Road. That's State Route 703, just outside the city in St. Mary's Township and a few short blocks from his home. Roger was working alone just before midnight when a customer came into the store and saw no one behind the counter. That's when he spotted Roger on the floor, dead of an apparent gunshot wound. Investigators determined Roger had been killed in the course of a robbery, shot in the back. An undetermined amount of money was taken. Police revealed a composite sketch of someone who had been in the area of the store that night, but they were never able to identify him. In 2020, they made the sketch public again. Auglaize County Sheriff Al Solomon told reporters, We've never stopped working on the case. We've met with police officers who were working at the time, and we even made a trip to Oklahoma a few months ago to talk to someone we thought might have information on the case. Solomon said he hoped to solve it not only for the parent family, of course, but for former Sheriff James Nock, who had always hoped to close it. I'd like to solve this while he's still around to see it come to an end, Sheriff Solomon said. Now, I don't know if there have been any recent unsolved homicides in all glaze, but at least as of 2015, Roger Parent's murder was the only unsolved homicide in the entire county. That's because police in St. Mary's had just solved the only other open case, a 34-year-old mystery of the gruesome murder of a local farmer. Several St. Mary's detectives had worked that one over the years, and they even solved it without the help of DNA. Leads led them to one suspect, that suspect led them to another, and by the time they were done, They got successful convictions against three men for stabbing 72-year-old Marcellus Reinecke 39 times as they robbed him at his Southwest Street home in St. Mary's back in 1981. So there's proof right there that these old robbery homicides can get closure. Anyone with information in the murder of Roger Parent is asked to call the Auglaize County Sheriff's Detectives at 419-739-6555. 
Our final case is from Franklin County in 2007. Justin Miller was 25 years old, a husband to Tiffany, and father to a two-year-old girl, Riley. He lived with them in the Columbus suburb of Delaware. Justin and Tiffany were high school sweethearts at Oakwood High School over in Montgomery County. After graduation, he collected an English degree from Ohio University in 2004. By 2007, he'd become the district manager at Heartland Cash Advance, supervising 11 stores in the Columbus area. His job required him to check on employees throughout the week and collect deposits on some nights. On November 2nd of that year, he visited the store at 5290 Cleveland Avenue in the village of Minerva Park. And around 7.15 p.m., he left the store intending to go pick up his daughter. But in the parking lot, a man in a black mask ran up to him from behind and shot him three times in the back. As he lay on the ground, face up, the man stood over him and shot him three more times. News reports at the time said police described it as an attempted robbery. Jason did not have anything for the killer to take. An employee had already dropped the deposit off at the bank. More recently, investigators said there could have been another motive. They just don't know. This was not a neighborhood accustomed to bloodshed, The village of Minerva Park is a half square mile centered on a lake. It's surrounded by the north side of Columbus, but had escaped those big city problems for a long time. Miller's murder was the first the village had recorded in nearly 40 years. The Franklin County Sheriff detectives reenacted the crime and made it public, hoping it would help jar someone's memories. And it seems it did, Tips that came in after that made investigators confident that the shooter knew Miller's routine. They believe he was hiding behind the building and waiting for him to come out. Police even have a person of interest in that case, but they are still missing the one thing that could tie it all together. Just one more tip from somebody who knows something and would be willing to share it now. If you're the someone, you can call the Columbus Crime Stoppers tip line at 614-461-8477. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. We are also a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts, the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows on this network, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Also, check out our new YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Ohio Mysteries.
You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy, and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.